0: No gas pipeline, not, okay, not stream yeah. two, yeah. Um, well, not no
1: stream two is completely frozen right now, and it's not. Yeah, it hasn't been commissioned. Well, I mean, the the,
2: the the Australian government have uh, announced today that they're, um, uh, well, not not Australian government, but a Australian government have announced today by via news is that um, yes, there are certain countries they're going to stop and freeze a pipeline, but they're saying it's going to take six months.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean. If you see German people, I, I uh, mainly talk about Germany because I live in Germany. I'm from Portugal, but I live in Germany. If you see German people, um, I mean, the half of German people wants to have a gas and oil embargo right now. We We are... Uh, aware that um these sanctions will raise um gas uh, price into into the the, the sky but we... can, I, uh, what... uh, can i just quickly just just like i uh, sorry
2: i just want to jump in there and just like ask a quick question to any people who are listening to this is um just a quick question was is how much um like by percentage in the last six months has your um utilities gone up so, like, well,
1: let's let's not go there, Thomas, because this is more or less reflective of a, a very challenging global economic yeah, situation. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, okay, no, yep, yeah, no and, worries. And we'll it will continue. It will yep. open, yeah, it will go on in several tangents. Yeah, What's yeah, yeah. Okay. Every we'll, center, we'll, single country is completely different.
0: Yep, yeah, okay, we'll absolutely. keep going. Yeah, the the second um, thing that I, I would uh, like to. um to addresses. I I don't know if you, Doman, received uh, that thing about Setúbal in Portugal um, already. Uh, I think she wanted to send you that uh, last evening. Um, I, I, I don't know if it, it was already discussed in the, in the group, uh, in the entire group itself, but I want to Uh, just report one thing that um, is happening now in Portugal and uh, we must be aware of that all over the world because um, uh, Ukrainian refugees are all over the world right now. Um, We have a a situation in Portugal that um, refugees were delivered, sorry for my English, but uh, I I just explained that with the words I can. Uh, They were delivered to uh, um, organization, uh, of um, uh, Russian uh, speakable uh, organization that is uh, in, in Portugal since a few years. and um, the intelligence services uh, just and and uh, because of the report of the um, Ukrainian ambassador in Portugal and because the refugees were also reporting it. We discovered now that the persons that are or or the couple that were receiving these refugees um, are pro-Russians. So the guy um, was uh, 2015 in Russia and signed a document that he supports the annexation of Crimea of Donbass and uh, something like that. And um, the refugees were coming into Portugal, um, being uh, delivered to this organization. The guys were copying their documents, um, asking questions about family in Ukraine that stayed in Ukraine. Are the family? So so this this is in your
2: country, uh, like your your country,
0: correct? Yeah, Portugal, where I came from. So
2: so um, was this was this ever brought up to uh,
1: aware? Domin go ahead.
3: Thank you M. Tomes please 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 raise your hand don't don't butt into people so much because it makes it really difficult for people who are listening to be able to follow because the, because of lag times because people are in different geographical areas it kind of gets really weird and it doesn't come out as clear as you think it does. So please raise your hand, click the heart with a plus button that's on the bottom right of your screen. And um, and then you can then you can raise your hand. It will be so much easier for everyone to listen, and it will be a lot easier for people to follow you as well. Okay. Right. That,
2: am, I, am I allowed to speak?
3: Sure, but but you you were going to ask a question that we can try to explain, and that Luis was was trying to explain anyway. Um, yeah.
2: Okay. Would... Yeah. Well, well um, I'll, I'll just sit back and listen.
3: The, the, don't worry; it will all get touched upon. We're, we're going to discuss it in, in plenty of depth right now, um, yes. so you'll get. Yeah possibly need um and if luis can please continue outlining and then i have some uh stuff to add to that i think yes thank you thank you Doman. uh
0: yeah like i said we, we must be aware of that because um the organizations i mean that's what happened what happened in portugal um the government sh- uh, search for people to uh that could um keep the the refugees and they they uh handled up the the persons to the organization that was able to speak their language and stuff like that. But we have to um, really investigate if the persons we are handling the refugees to um, maybe are uh, the persons that we uh, have to Mm -hmm. have uh, refugees in, in his hands, because, um, uh, like like I said, they were asking for information from Ukraine. They are copying the documents. They sent everything to Russia. And um, that's why at the moment in Portugal, it's um, all over the news, all over yep. uh, the media. And uh, yeah, uh, people must well, be aware um, of that.
2: Well, not here in Australia is like we're not getting nothing about that. In Australia. But yes, I mean, we have a big problem with people coming here that um, don't have requirements like um, coming by boat. Um, I mean, boat is the biggest thing in Australia. But I mean, since the government we've had in for 10, 12, 11 years, uh, we don't get them. I mean, and the worst thing is, is that they get on boats to come here because they're told they can, they pay their money and they drown. I mean, terrible. So I I feel for the people immigrating to our country, but it's a long way and it's water and you're going to drown. You can't swim. Like, um, to me, it is people who are desperate to escape to a new life. And I think that um, most countries aren't that bad. Uh,
0: Todd's... Uh you should use the the hand uh, on the left or right side of your of your phone like doman said because I, I still was not finished um i, uh, I and and I just i just forgot what
1: i wanted to say because you stepped in sorry sorry Lewis it's fine julia please go ahead julia julia you have your hand up please go ahead
4: Uh, Sorry,
5: Uh, I I thought I wasn't the first in line. I just wanted to add something. So what the speaker from Australia was saying about UDSSR and that many people still think that those countries want, or those people want to stay in Russia. I think it's a huge ignorance of history. And we see it also in Germany. And I remember when I moved to Germany 20 years ago, So it was like Lithuania is Russia. So I think it's very important to educate in every single country actually around the world. UDSSR, it was made from Russia, like empire, uh, which occupied many other countries. And some of those countries managed to escape, managed to get free again. But it wasn't Russia which like split up, it was empire which occupied other countries. So I just wanted to make this point. It's important to educate about this. You UD- the UDSSR, it wasn't Soviet Union, wasn't Russia, Soviet Union was Russian empire which occupied southern countries. So I just wanted to make this point. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Julia. Is it Julia or Yulia? Which do you prefer? Uh,
5: both goes, uh, it's fine. Both versions.
1: Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Lewis?
0: Um I remember what I wanted to say, uh, say uh, just to finish uh, my my speaking. Um, and there is, beside of that, what I just reported about Portugal, there is a, a second thing that we all must be aware of: the Ru- pro-Russian propaganda spider web, uh, if we can say so, are. Are all over the the world. We can see in Portugal a lot of Russian people that have been identified just right now that they are pushing um, pro-Russian propaganda into Portugal. So I, I think that that is something happening also in other countries. That's why we must be aware of that. And like I said, as an individual, try to to fight
1: that back. German.
3: Thank you M. um Luis let's um, let's talk briefly about the the situation in Setubal. Um so my understanding was from the start that you know supposed NGO or whatever organization it was that was heavily heavily pro Kremlin as you quite rightly noted. My understanding is that from the start they managed to hoodwink the Ukrainian embassy in Portugal as well. Uh I might be wrong on that but but did you hear anything along those lines as well?
0: yes yes i i heard about that uh but the the final report what was really happening came from the uh, uh, portuguese ambassador from ukraine
3: exactly right so i mean thank god they got found out is the first thing i'm going to say and i would also like to note that uh, the party that is in charge of the local administration in Setúbal and a few other places that it's not just Setúbal there's a few other places right that that had the similar um a similar situation possibly with the same organization possibly with a couple of others uh including the lovely city of Aveiro um the the party that is in charge there is the only party that is uh, you know at all in the parliament the, the only parliamentary party which also walked out when zelensky spoke to the portuguese parliament and the only party that's critical of um, you know portuguese help for ukraine let's say my understanding is that they're unlikely to see the inside of the parliament next time round as a consequence of this as well and i think this speaks very well of the portuguese polity and portuguese society that they don't um you know they don't care for for politicians like that and that is very impressive that the entirety of the rest of the portuguese political landscape bar this one minor party have managed to coalesce and consolidate around a strongly pro-Ukrainian stance uh, as strongly as any I think Um, and I do believe that this is going to get sorted out everybody who is responsible for everything that you've detailed earlier is going to be appropriately prosecuted uh, because what what they have done is both unconscionable but also undoubtedly illegal on many on many levels right Uh, both the politicians and the Russian NGO kremlin pro-kremlin folk and i'm i'm glad that you know it's being resolved as swiftly as it is obviously they've been cut off from all access to ukrainian refugees whatsoever Uh, and as you said the portuguese intelligence services are working on it Uh, and i'm sure that the courts are going to start as well in in short order but it's it's really good that you brought this up so that you know if any similar things ever could possibly happen in other european countries that are receiving uh, ukrainian refugees that such situations can be avoided and you know the additional brief can be spared to the people who have suffered plenty already. Um, unless you have
1: thank anything else. Up- thank you, Luis. John, for a closing statement, please.
6: Yeah, I just wanted to say that it's, if NATO is serious about this crossing the line, the red line, uh, why wouldn't they accelerate Moldova's inclusion in the in NATO? Because of course, that's that's a line that Russia would then be told they couldn't
1: cross. May I take the question, Domen? Yeah, yeah, we have an answer. Yeah, for that.
3: So, to 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 get into NATO, because it's a mutual uh, it's a mutual agreement, right? It's not just countries receiving a new member into NATO, but it's also the new member of NATO that has certain, let's say, obligations. There are two things that Moldova lacks. Well, let's say there's three things, but fundamentally there's two things. One is compatibility uh, of their armed forces with the rest of NATO. That is something that NATO doesn't wish to overlook, and NATO isn't willing to overlook, and has never been willing to overlook with the accession of any new member states. That's why it took quite a while, even for very small countries, uh, that were, let's say, geopolitically and... um, Uh, simply geographically very beneficial to NATO efforts, quite a while to to gain accession. Um, Moldova is nowhere near that. Now, Finland and Sweden, if they apply, their militaries are up to snuff, right? Their militaries have already been training with NATO for, what, 25 years, maybe more uh, regularly. Uh, They are incredibly well-trained, incredibly well-equipped. Their doctrine is up to NATO standards, including them will take no time whatsoever, right? There might be some high-level command and control and political questions but to to be to be sorted out, uh, but you know anything that's uh, at a battalion level and lower, to my understanding, is is perfectly compatible as it is. Um, the other problem is the question of territorial integrity, right? If you, as, as you are well aware of, Article Five requires other NATO countries to come to help a NATO member which is attacked. On its territory or anywhere in the North Atlantic, above whatever the tropic is in the north, um, and between certain uh, lines of longitude, right? So basically, Europe and North America, Europe, North America, North Atlantic. That presumes that countries have control over their territory. Moldova does not have control over what is what is thought as the. You know, Republic of Transnistria, Pridnestrovian Moldovan Republic, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Basically, the Russian-occupied bit of Moldova. Moldova does not have control over it. Same applies for Ukraine when you talk about Crimea, which is why Ukraine didn't fulfill that um, um, that 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 condition between 2014 and 2022. Same goes for Georgia with South Ossetia and Abkhazia. You can't. In, and you can't have a country enter into NATO that has such a significant territorial dispute with a neighboring state that would, which is effectively a frozen conflict or, or worse or you know a, a warmer than frozen conflict um, that would immediately require uh, NATO to, to be activated right? That's just let's call it a technical impossibility, and that is why those countries have not been hitherto accepted into NATO. So even if their armies were up to stuff, even if the militaries, uh, if the military compatibility was there, if the doctrine was up to standard, if the ability of the armed forces was up to standard, even then, even then, because of these extensive territorial issues, it's very difficult. Um, Lastly, I would note that, yes, while there have been countries with uh, not unsettled territorial disputes that have entered NATO before, those were very, very minimal territorial disputes. So for example when Croatia was accepted into NATO it had minor territorial disputes with for example Serbia but those territorial disputes were again they were minor there were some areas along the Danube that you know changed its course over the past 150 years so the 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 little marshy loops around the Danube were a bit different it's we're talking about significant territorial disputes Transnistria is a significant Territorial dispute, and honestly, it pains me to say that's a territorial dispute because it's not a territorial dispute; it's an illegally occupied territory uh, of Moldova but from the side of the Russian Federation since 1992, 1993. The same goes for Georgia. The same goes for Ukraine. That's why they technically simply cannot be accepted into NATO as it is. Ferlaine um, was talking to, to this earlier, right? Ferlaine, as a Ukrainian, um, was was talking to, to this earlier. That, you know, she completely understands this because she has looked into deep into. Uh, NATO rules, into NATO doctrine, into what requirements there are in a country to be able to enter NATO. Um, And, uh, you know, let's say that if if a Ukrainian that's now kind of in the middle of things is happy and willing to understand that, uh, I think everybody else should be be too.
6: Thanks for that, Dominic. Uh, Just one other question. If Finland is such a good target for uh, NATO, wouldn't it be important to accelerate that or or am i missing something
3: there um ask again in a couple of weeks uh because to the best of my understanding around the 16th of may finland is going to ask to join NATO. um there have been security guarantees that have been offered ahead of that time uh, specifically between the point of asking for accession and accession proper there are security guarantees in place Uh, that has been publicized somewhat Uh, by other governments including yesterday the Danish Prime Minister spoke to that with respect to Sweden because Sweden is still let's say kind of um, dragging their feet a little bit with some internal political disputes specifically within the governing party Uh, but yeah it's it's that is being taken care of and that has been taken care of and um, uh, Finland at least Finland if not also Sweden but probably also Sweden are well on their path uh, to join NATO in the coming weeks.
1: And using the word target is actually off point because NATO is a defensive alliance and it doesn't lobby or pressure governments to join it. So a government that considers joining NATO does so on its own after reviewing its national security threat matrix. So... NATO is not a corporation or an entity that has KPIs or targets or acquisition targets or anything like that. It is southern governments that consider joining the alliance based on updates to their national security threat matrix.
3: Thank you. And that's a very important point that I forgot to make. Thank you so much.
1: Again, just
6: to kind of just say one last thing, um, you know what? I mean, it's so frustrating. Clearly, nobody knows what they can do. They don't know how they can get involved in it you know, Dom or M. you know, what, what would you say we can do if we have influence in certain areas? What could we do to, to help the situation? Because it is frustrating standing by and watching this unfold before our eyes and not be able to do
1: anything, that feeling of helplessness. You can do a lot and everyone can do a lot. And there is no need for any feelings of helplessness. First of all, simply by spreading the word about what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, you can dedicate one hour daily to review what is being published by reputable and trustworthy news sources, and share the, the, those uh, pieces of information with your friends, with your family, using your Twitter account, using your Facebook account. Just you don't need to uh, pester anyone. You don't you don't need to send uh, everything you read to everyone on your contact list. No, you don't need to do anything except curating a timeline of pieces of news covering what's going on in ukraine to help spread the word out another thing you can do is that you can consider visiting the website of uh, org. you can check out how this non- non-profit organization is helping ukraine the ukrainian government and ukrainian people and you might consider donating to them knowing that 100 percent of your donations go towards supplying the Ukrainian government with their wish list or items on their wish list.
6: Thanks a lot for that. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I'll just go into the listening. Thanks a lot. Uh,
1: Thank you, John. Also, you can write to your uh, elected uh, officials. Uh, You can send them an email or you can send them a handwritten note or a handwritten letter asking them to exercise their full uh, ability to influence government decisions on supplying aid to ukraine as declared and requested by the ukrainian government so there's a lot all of us can do number one you can spread the world the word number two you can uh, donate to uh, a charity of your choosing it doesn't need to be maria aid you can donate directly to the ukrainian government you can uh, find the A list of uh, NGOs as announced by the Ukrainian government online. You can select one of those to donate to. You can select which uh, type of aid you want to donate towards. Uh, uh, Medical aid, uh, non-lethal aid, uh, uh, refugee support. There is a lot we can do. There is a lot we can do. The least we can do is spread the word. Discuss what's happening with friends and family. The most we can do is write to our elected officials and ask them to pressure the governments into coming to help the Ukrainian government. Lurish, please go ahead.
0: Hi, um, thanks. I'm sorry for disturbing again, but I I just wanted to ask you all for a favor. um, That I I just noticed noticed it. I I received a lot of. direct messages right now as I was speaking um, with people talking about nuclear weapons and and, uh, nuclear strikes from Russia. Uh, Please stop doing this. Um, Every single message you are sending out with this narrative is just propagating Russian propaganda. Don't do it. We can talk about it, yes. We can discuss it, yes. But everything that... We are saying we should um, just um, be cautious about what we say because this is pushing Russian propaganda. The people get afraid or, or are afraid of nuclear, nuclear strikes, and uh, but no one believes that it would it would happen. And um, don't 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 spread this, please.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Luis. Well said.
1: Yes, definitely. Spring, please go ahead.
7: It was, it's a very short statement about the situation in Portugal. Authorities, and it's not even in the Portuguese news any longer. And it was just three cities in the country. What we have to be is um, be aware that this happened and be paying attention to all the Russian activities in the country. But it's useless to keep speaking in the same because it's already the authorities that are um, handle it. Okay, it's just that. Thank you. And I live in the country. I'm right now in Portugal.
8: Thank you, Spring. Uh, Tabasco. Yes, uh, just a quick statement. Well, it's not a statement. It's actually something that happened. So, um, in the Netherlands, we yesterday had um, Fort May and uh we we uh, think of all the dead people, uh, all the, the people that died during uh, the Second World War. It's like a national uh, yearly thing, and so um, on. This day, yesterday, apparently, there was this. Uh, there is this uh, military. Uh, what's it called? Cemetery in uh, it's in Nijmegen, and somehow um fandles, uh quote to quote um painted a ukraine flag with um fuck russia fuck putin and um the 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 Nazi symbol uh what's the name again in English? I'm I'm not sure. Swastika uh, swastika, swastika, yes, yes, yes. So this a million times feels like a, a sad, really sad example of a false flag. Because why in the world w- would any Ukrainian right now paint swastikas on uh, British and um, American graves of soldiers died that died here uh, while liberating Europe and then paint a Ukraine flag on it?
3: It, it's nonsense, right, Tabasco? I, I, I don't think this, this is what is said to have happened, right?
8: No, 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 no. There's, there's even pictures of it. So there was literally somebody physically there who did this, and it's no, the.
3: I, I get it was somebody who actually did it. I'm, I, I, I get that this has happened, but I just don't think that the people who did it did it with the motivations that they're being assigned to them. If that makes sense, I don't think a Ukrainian
8: went and painted Ukrainian flags. No, t- no, 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 no. I, I, I don't think at all uh, that an uh, Ukrainian did this. I'm two million percent sure. There's, there's literally in, in, and when you, when you look in, 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 in into psychology, there's, there is no reason or, or logic motive behind this for somebody to do something like that. On even uh, and especially symbolically on this day, uh, where we think of all the because it was a thing they they were talking about um uh, should we uh, that we need to um, uh, conclude Ukraine into this national uh, uh, it's not a holiday but it's a national daily uh, national yearly thing. Um, so for me this this feels like a a really sad false flag. Like, extremely low.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think we're on the same page here, Tabasco. Uh, Luis, if you had a a thing to comment on this as well? Yes,
0: yes. Uh, I mean, just just look at all reports. They are coming from, uh, so said, empty reporters, Western reporters that are with Russian uh, military in Mariupol, as an example. Mm -hmm. I just saw yesterday, again, a report about it everything that comes out from that side uh, is related to Nazi and and swastikas and everything, and torture chambers from Ukraine, Nazi group, Azov battalion. um, I I mean, it's it's clearly propaganda. Um, We have... Portugal has uh, a lot of uh, reporters on the ground in in Ukraine, and they didn't report anything about that. And I, I also look at uh, other reporters uh, from from UK from uh, Denmark as an example and there is no reports about it it's just propaganda
3: yeah exactly and there's a reason why they shipped Solovyov into Mariupol and have his picture taken in front of the Ilyich steel works right because the the other big, big steel works that aren't uh, Azovstal um, Russians yeah. are uh, leveraging every little uh, shred of propaganda they possibly can uh, be it at the very highest of levels, as well as this, which is, you know, at the very lowest of levels. I won't say whether this was organized, you know, from uh, from Kremlin or whether this is some low-level thing that some local sympathizer did to smear Ukrainians or whatever it was, but, uh, I mean, th- it's a good thing that everybody here uh, can clearly see through it, right? It's as transparent as it gets. Right, Luis?
0: Yeah, just, just one thing more, that we also should be aware of it. They know that we, uh, other countries, know that this is Russian propaganda. This is just material, material that uh, they want to be consumed in Russia. So that's why, I mean, they know that's nonsense, what they are posting, and we know about it, but the people in Russia maybe are not aware of, 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 uh, about that. And um, yeah, that, that's it.
3: Very true. And it's not just about the domestic propaganda. It's also about the propaganda out of Russia, right? Trying to get trying to get uh, people in Western countries on their side by smearing Ukraine as much as as um, as much as they do. Spring?
7: Uh, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay. Now, actually we have right now a reporter from one of the TVs, I think that is on the Russian side, but it has been a national laugh because we He's joking in all social media. We don't take him serious. I I am not sure if it's the public TV or whatever it is, but it's so damn silly. He's reported. That everyone is joking about it. And they post pictures changing the books that he shows that were there and stuff like that. It has been a national joke, nothing more. No one is taking it serious. The country is very pro-Ukrainian except our beloved religious stalinist communists that are still on the other side that they are putinists but they have just three six, six seats in the parliament from 260 if i'm not wrong of 230 and next time i think they will be able to fit in the smart for two persons if not if they don't disappear it's all
3: yeah and they're they're gonna get they're gonna get out of there uh next time around sadly portugal just had legislative elections uh if they were you know a few months later they might be uh out much much sooner still right
7: without any doubt they would be disappearing from many places in the country really
3: precisely sorry that's what i was gonna say all right um to to change you know, to go to from one bit of Russian propaganda to another bit of Russian propaganda. Apparently uh Russian ministry has been saying they've been practicing uh nuclear capable missile strikes out of Kaliningrad uh yesterday. So that's between Poland and Lithuania there in the Baltics. Um you know, they're they're just trying everything and anything that can be um uh that that can try to affect the public opinion in nearby countries in europe in northern europe here especially i think this is primarily aimed at uh, sweden and finland anything they can uh, to deter more countries from joining nato from to deter countries from supporting ukraine but at the end of the day i'd argue it's not working very well is it right Uh, Finland is going to join NATO, even Sweden, the the Swedish leading party, uh, even though they kind of made a few steps back a few days ago, uh, today there's news from them that they're more, that they're, you know, increasing discussions on this internally, and that they're ever more likely to to want to join NATO as well in the coming weeks. Whatever nonsense Russians are up to, it isn't working. It might be working somewhat domestically. It certainly isn't working. Uh, It certainly isn't working externally at this point. Spring?
7: Did did you, all of you, have seen uh, some pictures that were supposed to be taken in Moscow or in St. Petersburg of some posters saying that the Swedish are a bunch of masses? It's so, they are starting like, exactly, they started with Ukraine uh, spreading out fake news about the Swedish. It was something, I think I have it in my Twitter, but... uh, it's amazing how the propaganda, the Russian propaganda moves fast. And But I, I think hopefully uh, Sweden and Finland join NATO in, in the, this month.
3: Yeah, hopefully. And you can really see how they're grasping at straws. Uh, those posters that they put up about Sweden, I mean, they were... They, they really were the, the message really wasn't worth the paper it was printed on um the the way they the way they framed that um in, in other news of russians being uh full of shit um apparently russians have restarted the offensive on Azovstal despite promising a ceasefire to have started this morning uh, i think they observed the ceasefire for about one hour before uh, they stopped observing said ceasefire uh, and resuming their offensive on Azovstal while civilians were being evacuated, if my understanding is correct. So no, never, uh, never trust what Kremlin says. I guess, uh, Luis.
0: Yeah, um, just uh, to add something, something to this uh, um, issue in Mariupol. I'm just reading uh, credible reports that um, the thing that the Russians want is to get. Um, Uh, prisoners from Azov battalion and uh, that they should parade on the 9th of May uh, while being in cages Um, they will be presented to the public uh, on this parade and if that happens I I, I mean that's uh, I have no words for it
3: yeah certainly Um, it's You know, if if anything is against Geneva Conventions, it's parading of POWs and parades in, you know, literal parades. Uh, So, again, I'm not surprised. uh, But then I've been highly cynical about everything that the Russian uh, government and military have done for a long time now. Because, you know, historical memory.
1: In other news today as well, the German government announced that it will coordinate for two floating LNG terminals to be brought into the country and we'll be signing a contract with a certain supplier to provide Germany with LNG. So the German government is delivering on its promise to divest from uh, Russian LNG.
3: And um, what is the significance of that, That especially that they're going to be there before the winter season?
1: Well, probably LNG prices are going to go up, and how the German government plans on containing the increase in prices is uh, yet to be seen but the cost of securing those LNG supplies will go up because you have to factor in uh, the rental costs for the floating terminals as well as the increasing costs for the tankers bringing in LNG. So how the costs, how much the costs will go up remain to be seen, how the German government plans on containing the increasing cost in order to prevent... uh, this from reaching consumers is also yet to be seen, but maybe uh, Louis has something to add to this.
0: Yes, I have something to add, and I um, I, I would like to um, um yeah uh, I don't know how to say it in English. Um, it's not it's a uh, German government, yes, but fully pushed by uh, the Green Party. Uh, so if you Uh, Think that something uh, that is something that Olaf Scholz is pushing, the Bundeskanzler, that's absolutely false. It's the Green Party. So feel free to go to the Twitter account of uh, Olaf Scholz and uh, give him your opinion, because uh, uh, that's the Green Party that's pushing it. And they said it already on the beginning of the war that they will be pushing this um, that gas and oil and uh, other materials that are coming from Russia should be stopped as soon as possible. And uh, the only person or, or the only party that's opposing right now or is not doing what it should be uh, done, it's
1: um, the party of the Bundeskanzler in Germany. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I, this is a personal disc- disclaimer. So I try to uh, stay away from domestic politics. I mean, I understand uh, that's your country and you have better understanding of it. So I was trying to, just to highlight the move itself. Uh, I know the political uh, landscape in Germany right now and I understand how, uh, uh, what, what's the proper way to say, it? hotly debated uh, when it comes to energy policy and contested as well the second thing that i try to refrain from commenting on is my own preferences for what i consider uh, cleaner energy or more efficient energy or uh, the future of energy uh, production and uh, supply but i totally understand what you've just said it's 100 percent correct and domen please go ahead
3: yeah, I'll just note um, something from Axel who can't speak at the moment because of our obvious technical issue of not having any co-hosts at the moment and uh, Walter not being around to sign any, so we can't just bring him up. Uh, but Axel would like to know that the Green Party leadership is doing uh, a good job uh, and pushing for all of this. However, the Green Party base is somewhat more split on it. Um, uh, Luis, uh, Axel also asks to pass his best regards to you and that, saying that he's glad that you're there or that you're here with us. Um, so, you know, that's... Thank you uh, very much. A big <laughs> for you, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. An emergency uh, iOS text message was pushed to my phone and I got uh, kicked out of my co-host seat. So we're flying solo right now. L-
3: Likewise from Germany. I think there has been some additional confirmation that Germany is indeed apparently selling, sorry, selling, sending, sending seven Panzerhaubitze, to um, uh, to to Ukraine, uh, which is good, right? Um, am you want to talk about why Panzer Panzerhaubitze are really good for Ukraine?
1: No, I can't speak to that. Sorry.
3: Oh damn it! Okay, fine. Well, they're big old guns that are self-propelled, and apparently they're very high quality. Uh, the Dutch have already sent some uh, to Ukrainians, or have announced sending some to Ukrainians earlier. Uh, Italians might be sending some and now finally Germans have gotten around to it a few days ago. Um, thank you, Axel. Um, long range, high I'm precision on.
1: artillery. Yeah, Are... well, I'm, I'm on, I'm on a very specific NDA when it comes to that platform, but speaking to the general idea of supplying Ukraine with self-propelled artillery and, um, precision guided ammunition is, uh, it, it will be a game changer, uh, Those platforms have longer ranges than the current platforms fielded by the Russians uh, in the battle space. Coupled with uh, counter-battery radars, uh, those two solutions will offer Ukrainians a huge advantage against Russian artillery and will result in taking out most of, if not all of, Russian artillery positions, if the Ukrainians make the right plans and they have been making and executing the right plans. So back to you, Dominic.
3: Yeah, thanks, Sam. And what, what I'd note is particularly significant here. Um, sorry, something else else from Axel, saying that uh, panzer habits fit perfectly with the new counter-battery radars, and the Russians do fear that. And yes, that is very important. The one thing that Ukrainians have somewhat struggled to uh, strike against is um, artillery fire from the other side, right? And the way to counter-artillery fire is to destroy their artillery pieces. And the best way to do that is with more and better, more precise artillery, which is the sort of stuff that... um, That these Panzerhaubitze are. I would however like to note on an additional very good piece of news that comes out of that and that is that Germany at this point if they do send both the Gepards and the Panzerhaubitze um, they're really kind of out of excuses for what sort of heavy weaponry would be going too far because if they do send some of these you know fabulous self-propelled guns Why not also send some tanks and why not also send some whatever other tracked and heavily armored vehicles they might have uh, lying about? Uh, For a long time, the German government has avoided, you know, even considering sending weapons like these uh, because they said that's going too far. And it's really good um, that, you know, now they'll, they'll get themselves to be out of excuses to not send more of things like these in the future and not allow german companies to send more things like these in the future sell more things like these uh in the future to um to ukrainians. Uh, Axel also notes that it's good messaging by an otherwise communication challenged german government to send these pieces of kit. Completely agree Axel uh you know as per usual. Luis
0: Yes um I just I just want to make aware that we should be um a little bit careful uh, regarding these news. I mean, that that's absolute good news, but uh, what we saw in the last 70 days is that um, uh, Germans, um, especially uh, Olaf Scholz or the defense minister, is uh, announcing something, and it takes weeks or months to do it. So, um, as he said, uh, I think three or four weeks ago, um, that um uh, we are creating a fund for Ukraine over two billion euros. Um, after that uh, news came out, uh, it was clear for all the people that uh, that be a fund uh, that is only working uh, after passing the Bundestag, um, and and uh, it would take months to to have some money out of it. So um, it's good news. Um, have you weapons to to Ukraine, absolutely. But uh, I only believe it uh, that we are uh, really reacting fast from German government when I see the weapons on the ground.
3: Yeah, I mean, reacting fast is a, <laughs> it would be an overstatement at this point, right? But it's better better late than never, I guess, in this case. And it's definitely a lot better for um, uh, it's a lot better for Ukraine that Germany finally did get a move on with these things, uh, because Germany, despite it's quite, you know, un- less than less than well-supplied army in the last uh, couple of decades. It's still a pretty significant resource compared to most European countries. There's still very significant potential resource um, compared to most uh, European countries. Uh, the Panzerhaubitz uh, apparently, according to a, a friendly German, might only happen by the end of June. Uh it's I don't really understand necessarily why. Uh if you can tell me why, that would be fantastic and you know who you are, because I know you're listening because you just told me that. Um
0: That's what I'm so, talking about.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. However, I think part of that is the panzer habits do require a little bit more uh a little bit more training than some of the other uh, pieces of kit that other countries are generally sending right i think i'm correct in saying that the m7 triple seven howitzers the towed ones that the u.s canada and australia have sent uh, in various quantities those are a lot easier for any currently trained artilleryman to use if my understanding is correct right because a it's it's a much simpler system uh artillery generally than self-propelled guns and the high-end highly technically able self-propelled guns such as the panzer how they're going to take a little bit more uh training on in the first place if my understanding is correct uh m i don't think it would be probably a violation of your uh um of your legal obligations to either confirm or deny what i've just said i can't okay well then um i'm 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 gonna guess i'm roughly correct anyway uh all right Um, if anyone has any questions well we can't add um speakers at the moment uh do feel free to dm us with questions and we'll be happy to try to uh, answer them if we get your questions uh but please stay away from necessarily domestically political uh, political topics in other in other countries because that's not necessarily the most productive thing to do um All right, and the question came in. Oh, Luis, go ahead, and then I'll, I'll
0: do the question. I, I just have one question, quick question. Um, I was yesterday online uh, here in the group as uh, I think Roman is his name, came from the front line into the group and uh, answered a few questions. Is it planned that he also came in the next days? I, I mean, of course, he's in the front line. He cannot be uh, always online. But uh, I... Really thought uh, it was uh, quite inter- interesting um, that he's answering some questions, and uh, it would be nice to to have him again.
3: I think we fully intend to have Roman back. I think he's been up three times now, uh, as 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 often and as he's uh, able to be. Obviously, uh, we don't want to distract him from the more important stuff that he's doing out uh, to you know somewhere broadly near Kharkiv uh as uh Luis, i know that you're in complete agreement with um but yeah let's uh, let, let's hope that he can come up many many times still um including you know well after uh ukrainians have managed to kick out the russians in part with his help all right i'm going to field just a little bit of a uh, of a question here which is apparently Russia's Civil Aviation Authority extended the closure of 10 airports in Western and Southern Russia, including uh, Simferopol in occupied Crimea to the 13th of May. Um, Interfax, the Russian Interfax reports that this will negatively affect the tourism sector. And how would we assess this? I think this is just a routine uh over of closing airports that shouldn't really be seeing commercial traffic right now because they're kind of close to uh, hostilities, let's say, kind of close to the front lines in the war. And I don't really think anything particular of it necessarily. Uh, It just means that Russia definitely intends to carry the war for at least another eight days. Uh, But if anybody else has any other notes to add to this... If not, that's uh, that's all right as well. Uh, sorry about that. Mr. Uh, did
4: you say something? I'm sorry. I I was. Did, did you address something to towards me? I, I'm sorry. I was just lost in thought.
3: Not, it's, okay. it's okay. It's all it's, it's all fine. Uh, there was just a question about Russia extending the closure of some civilian airports in the west and the south of the country as well as Simferopol. Uh, but I think that that we've we've covered that uh, that topic probably sufficiently as to our abilities.
4: Well, technically speaking, Russians average won't be able soon use the airport whatsoever because their money I hope is going down the drain. Uh I'm sorry, I was just lost in thoughts because I've been reading some um like messages from some people in groups and that was like it's right now also being like, um, uh it's already being like distributed or shared in ukrainian segment of twitter and it's like a friend of mine uh it uh, she was told the story uh uh from the volunteers that the four-year-old kid came from eastern ukraine to Lviv. um it was a girl and uh, she was walking down the streets and she was saying oh it's and she was speaking in russian Oh it's so clean over here your uh, uh uh your aunts and aunties that are like lying on the on the street are being cleaned like are, are being removed so quickly like, and people weren't able firstly to process what she said and then they realized what she said uh, yeah I mean the, the the kids the kids still can't understand what's going on obviously, but it's gonna be um. I I just can see what kind of impact it's gonna have on them. Sorry for that. <laughs> just,
3: and, uh, I mean, don't obviously first don't don't be sorry uh, to when whenever you bring the realities of war to the space, uh, because that's something that all of us should probably be a lot more aware of while we are discussing German energy policy and and weapons deliveries and the like. Um. And and secondly, yes, of course, it it will have, you know, it will have huge impacts on on the lives of kids like her, uh, possibly for the rest of their lives, and they won't even remember the specifics most probably, and yet it will impact them for a long time, and the the after war care have will have to be, um, you know, extensive in particular in uh, in addressing that. Um, Luis.
0: Uh, Yes, I I just have a quick question to Farlane. As I understand, you are in Ukraine right now? Correct. Um, I I just have one one quick question because it uh, fits so good uh, in just what what you said. I heard, um, I think the day before yesterday, uh, that uh, there was a strike in Odessa and um, a 17-year-old boy died uh, because of that strike. But before that happened, um, and where the, the sirens uh, were working, uh, he went out of his home and tell, told to the neighbors to uh, get to the shelter uh, and saved in this way uh, the neighbors. They they didn't have a, crutch, a scratch, scratch I, I think. But he uh, died because of the strike. Is that true?
4: Um, except for the part about his age, he was 14 years old, and he indeed uh, <clears throat> was. Uh, like his parents told him to sit in the the bunker. Uh, he's, he remembered or recalled that some of the elders were outside, and they uh like uh, they didn't have announcements. So usually you have an announcement or, on your app, and then you hear the uh, the air raid sirens. It's there is some sort of a delay usually. I, I don't know how it works, maybe maybe just the system works this way. And the kids saw the announcement or he was reading the news that's going to be uh, an air raid soon. Because the air raids are, um, air raid sirens, even here in, in my uh time, they're being uh, switched on manually. So there should be a person on the on the place. 24-7, it's technically impossible because everyone is doing something. So he thought about that, he ran out of of the safety, he informed the elders, and once he was getting back, uh, he, he was, yeah, he, he was shelled. Uh, well, uh, his dad uh, made sure that no one will um, forget <coughs> the type he looked like and how like what's his name and what's his credential and and so on so yeah that's that's true
3: yeah
0: i i i just wanted to say um of course we are aware that there are heroes across ukraine everywhere um and to to read about this young boy that uh with with 14 sorry for the for the mistake that is fourteen and went outside, knowing that there is um, danger incoming, and was able to save his neighbors. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's um, my heart goes with a lot of pain when I read that, but that makes us uh, aware that there are heroes everywhere. Ops, um, if if it's a child, if it's uh, woman if it's a man if it's uh it's it's unbelievable what ukraine is 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 doing
3: thank you luis um thank you both uh i will very quickly uh run through some questions from the ems uh, because now i think it's probably a good a good point to raise them so first of all